Time to start previewing the bowl games. And JMU, according to head coach Kurt Signetti, have already played their bowl game. It's Locked On Sunbelt. You are Locked On Sunbelt, your daily podcast on the Sunbelt Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back for another edition of Locked On Sunbelt. I'm your host, Dave Schultz. I host Afternoon Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP in Mobile, Alabama, covering the South Alabama Jaguars. And prior to that, hosting mornings on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette, Louisiana, covering the Louisiana Ragin' Cages. This episode of Locked On Sunbelt is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As previewed... Uh, yesterday, we did get a chance to talk with Kurt Signetti, the head coach of JMU. That will come up uh, in the second and third segments of uh, the show. Really good uh, conversation with Kurt going over the season. A little bump in the road when Todd Santeo got injured uh, and then went up against a you know Power 5 team in Louisville, but uh, really dominated uh, when they were on their competition. And they got off to a good start, uh, and they uh, felt like they belonged. So we will hear from Kurt Signetti a little bit later, but bowl games are, are coming up. I mean, they're coming up. It's Friday. They're coming up next Friday. The Bahamas bowl is the first bowl that doesn't have any uh, Sunbelt teams in it. So we will do the cure bowl, which is a little bit odd. Troy is the Sunbelt championship, uh, Sunbelt champion. And UTSA is the conference USA champion. And they're playing like Tuesday at, is it two thirty Eastern? It's two o'clock. It's actually two o'clock central time. So three o'clock, that is not the best of all time slots, you know, to get on TV. I mean, there'll be people watching it because it's a bowl game, but it does seem a little bit odd. That's, you know, two conference champions, both 11 and two. And it is the unstoppable force. Is that the unstoppable force versus the immovable object with UTSA's Offense against Troy Trojans defense, it should be a good matchup. UTSA averages almost 39 points a ball game, and Troy gives up 17 and a half points a ball game. Does something have to give? Troy's offense got better, maybe against some lesser competition, but nonetheless, uh, they average 26 points a game. That's exactly what UTSA uh, gives up. It will be interesting. Obviously, the quarterbacking. Advantage goes to UTSA. Frank Harris, almost 3,900 yards, 31 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, He's completed, well, almost, almost completed more passes than Gunnar Watson has for Troy. Harris, 305 completions. Gunnar Watson, uh, 312 attempts. Should we know that Gunnar Watson didn't play, you know, was in in and out of the starting lineup and into the rotation. Um, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions to Harris's 31 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So a big advantage for UTSA with their quarterback. And it is noted that I guess Harris got a big time NIL deal. He is coming back for, wait for it, a seventh season. He redshirted his first season, got hurt his second season, and he gets the COVID year. So he is coming back for a seventh season next year and I mean he's already had a fantastic career 
He's thrown for 9,158 yards, uh, about 7,000 in the last two years. So figure out where he's going to be by, <laughs> by next year. Does it say how old he is? We don't have an age on him. He is six foot, 205 pounds. Uh, got a great smile here on ESPN.com. Uh, but obviously that is a huge advantage for uh, UTSA. The thing is, uh, UTSA's defense is not very good at all. Well, first of all, before we do that, going over some of the offense uh, for UTSA, and, and quickly because we're familiar with Troy, but UTSA has won 10 in a row, and the season got off to quite the start. Uh, Jeff Trailer is your, in fact, two-time CSUS, uh, Conference USA Coach of the Year. They lose in triple overtime to Houston to start the season off, 35, uh, 37-35. Uh, against Army, they got to take them to overtime, 41-38. to 38, They get a win, but then they lose to Texas, 41-20. to 20. So now they've, they're have they 1-2 to begin the season. They've lost to Houston in triple overtime, needed overtime to get past Army, and then everything came into place, and maybe the defense got a little bit better. Uh, Texas Southern, they beat them 52-24. Middle Tennessee, 45-30. to 30. Western Kentucky, 31-28. FIU, 30-10. North Texas, 31-27. They need a double overtime to beat UAB, 44-38. Blew out Louisiana Tech, 51-7. Blew out Rice, 41-7. Snuck past UTEP, 34-31. And then beat North Texas again in the Conference USA Championship game, 48-27. So you're hearing a lot of big scores there. They, I mean, they didn't score less than 30 points all year long. That was their low in a win, I guess. They did score 20 against Texas. So sorry about that. Uh, But 52, 45, 31, 30, 31, 44, 51, 41, 34, and 48. The thing is, though, outside of those ball games against La Tech and Rice, they're giving up 35 to Houston, 38 to Army, 41 to Texas, 24 to Texas Southern, 30 to Middle Tennessee, uh, Western Kentucky scored 28. They did a good job with FIU, only giving up 10. North Texas scored 27. Uh, and UAB, I'm going to guess it was 31 all going into overtime as it was a final 44-38 in double overtime. And then UTEP did score 31 and North Texas 27. So they are susceptible to giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards. Uh, they do give up over 400 yards of offense. Troy is much more of a ball control kind of. We're going to run it down uh, your throat with uh, Kimani Vidal, who's just been very good as of uh, late. With, let's see, here's big ball games. Not so much against Coastal, but against Arkansas State, 33 carries, 208 yards. Against ULM, 29 carries, 242 yards, six touchdowns in those uh, two ball games. Uh, And even against Army, he averaged five and a half yards a carry, 72 yards on 13 carries. And UL, uh, 21 against uh, the Cajuns in a big come from behind victory, 21 attempts, 112 yards, and one uh, touchdown. And so it'll be interesting, <coughs> excuse me, if, you know, Troy can slow down UTSA and how many points Troy can put up against the Roadrunners. Because somewhere along the way, you kind of have a feeling that the Roadrunners are going to do a little bit. They're going to score a little bit, right? 
if this game is in the 40s, I presume UTSA is going to run away with it. Sorry. Poor choice of words. Pun intended. Uh, But if Troy can keep this game in the 20s, they're absolutely going to have a shot. If this game, uh, you know, if this game is, I don't know, 13-10 at halftime and can be somewhere in the, you know, low 20s going into uh, the fourth quarter, Troy will have a shot. Uh, I mean, I think they got a good shot. Let me see. Do we have a line here? Right now it's Troy minus one. So everyone thinks this is a relatively even ball game. Uh, should be noted Troy is 10 and three against a spread. That's impressive. Uh, UTSA is only seven and six against the spread. Uh, but both teams, I said UTSA has won 10 in a row. That may be the same thing for Troy. You know, they started out one and two. They had a power five loss against Ole Miss. And then they lost on the Hail Mary to App State and haven't lost since. They beat Marshall, Western Kentucky, Southern Miss, Texas State, South Alabama, UL, Army, Monroe, Arkansas State, and Coastal Carolina. Uh, And those last three, uh, they did really well because in the previous three, previous four, not so well. They snuck by Texas State 17-14. Held on against South Alabama 10-6. Coming from behind, down 17-0 against the Cajuns, beat them 23-17, and somehow beat Army 10-9. But then you blew out ULM. You were in control of that ballgame all the way, 34-16. The Arkansas State game much closer than that score would indicate, but you explode for 34 points and ended up uh, in the fourth quarter and end up uh, winning 48-19. And the Coastal Carolina game was 17-0 uh, before the Chanticleers uh, broke a sweat. And... Uh, Troy wins that ball game, 45-26. Should be noted, Grayson McCall was in and playing for Coastal Carolina, who did show up in uh, the second half. But here's the differences. You do see Coastal's 26 points, but Arkansas State, 19. Monroe, 6. Army, 9. Cajun, 17. South Alabama's got a good offense, averages over 30 points a game, 6. Texas State, 14. Southern Miss, 10. Now, Western Kentucky did score 27. Uh, App State scored 28, but Marshall only scored seven. Even Ole Miss scored only 28 points. So it will be a good ball game. I'll be a homer and pick Troy to win uh, this ball game, uh, but it should be very exciting. Again, the um, unstoppable object versus the immovable force, and it is absolutely uh, the offense of UTSA against the defense of Troy. Both coaches are conference coaches of the year. Both teams are conference champions. Both teams have won 10 in a row. And it's going to be a great way to get the Bulls season underway at 2 p.m. Central Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday uh, the 16th. All right. Uh, We will come back with the head coach of JMU. Kurt Signetti is going to join us and talk about the season that uh, the Dukes have, Dukes had right after I tell you a little bit about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way 
to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. I'm your host, Dave Schultz. Really honored to have the head coach of the uh, JMU Dukes, Kurt Signetti, uh, joining us. Coach, congratulations on a tremendous season, winning the uh, Sunbelt's Eastern Division in the first year uh, in Sunbelt play. Why don't you uh, summarize the season? Well, you, you know, nothing that this program does surprises me. I mean, with our uh, tradition here and uh, track record of winning championships, you know, seven of the last eight years, 49 and three at home last seven years. So there were a lot of unknowns going into the season, uh, some new faces at key positions, uh, making the move up, teams we haven't played. Transfer portal, you know, lost my two best players in the portal. But, uh, you know, we were able to do well in the portal. And, uh, you know, when uh, the season opened and we beat Middle Tennessee 44-7, it was a dominant performance against a team that had won their bowl game the year before and going to a bowl this year. So felt pretty good about that and went down to App game three. Fell behind 28-3 in the second quarter. We kind of prepped our guys that they'd be challenged in ways they had never been challenged before and to keep their poise and be resilient in that game. And, boy, it, it hit us in the second quarter. But yeah. we are able to get the momentum and uh, win down there uh, after they had beaten A&M in front of a sellout crowd and, and got on a roll, 5-0, and and then uh, hit the top 25. And everybody's getting patted on the back. And players that week, you know, got Georgia Southern coming up and, I knew what I had in front of me, and I guess I just wasn't a bad enough guy that week to keep everybody on their toes. So, <clears throat> you know, the following week we had a tough deal. Our quarterback with about three reps to go in practice on Thursday, last practice, uh, pulled an oblique and Ouch. didn't know if he would play against Marshalls. It turns out he didn't, so we had a tough day there. But we rebounded and uh, beat ODU down there, 37-3, big win, beat Georgia State here, and then pounded Coastal. 47-7 at home. <laughs> yeah, to win uh, the uh, Sunbelt's Eastern Division and uh, forcing Coastal to go on the road to Troy, who ends up winning the Sunbelt Championship. May- I don't think mainly, but something had to do with it uh, playing at home. Tell us about, you were very honest in, in the ball game against uh, Louisville. I think Todd Santeo had come back for that ball game. Uh, and you guys were right in that ball game, uh, giving my uh, my nephew grief. He's uh, Him and my brother are uh, season ticket holders there for the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, and you guys were in it at halftime. And then what did you say after the game? Because you 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 made some comments that sometimes people don't want to hear, but you were rather honest. Yeah, I, you know, we went down there shorthanded. Todd played. He was about 70%. We had a lot of key guys out. They'd come off a dominant performance against Wake, led the country in sacks, forced turnovers. We played a little different than we normally do. Uh, running the ball, eating clock, did have a three-point lead with a minute to go in the half, but they dominated second half. And right. we've never lost three in a row here. I mean, when's the last time that happened? And, uh, you know, the, and the, the truth of the matter was, uh, you know, we, uh, we were at that point at kind of a decimated football team from an injury perspective. And our lack of depth, uh, you know, first year in FBS was catching up to us and playing Louisville quality opponent. But fortunately, we got some guys back the following week against ODU and got on a roll. Uh, we're talking with Kurt Segnetti on a Locked On Sunbelt head coach of JMU. I remember Billy Napier getting his first, uh, you know, head coaching job with uh, the Cajuns. And it said it took him a year to figure out, you know, the talent level in the Sunbelt and 
you know, what needed to be done to build it. And he did. Uh, you guys seem to have already built it. And seamlessly, I'm not sure I said that word right. You guys played better than I had just said that word. But uh, transitioned is an easier word to say uh, into FBS and the Sun Belt rather uh, easily. What did you find challenging in the Sun Belt? Uh, and, and what maybe you didn't find challenging in the Sun Belt? Right. Well, you know, I think the two things that came together here is a program that was ready to make this move about 10 years ago, uh, you know, from a football program standpoint and chose not to to get the other sports up to speed from a facility standpoint. So we were more than ready uh, in terms of our program. And then, you know, for me personally, all those years as a power five assistant working with Nick dad was all fame coach recruiting coordinator, 18 years and a coach, you know, when found out we we're going to make the move, it was, you knew what buttons needed pressed. So I think the biggest thing for our guys was committing to a higher standard in terms of their preparation week in, week out that you always had to play an a game to have a chance to win. Whereas in the past we could play a C game and win and our guys found that out uh, down at Georgia Southern. Um, you know, what uh, I guess was not as challenging um, was, you know, that we fit in right away. And I mean, we had four or five wins, I guess, by three, four touchdowns or more, maybe five. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we were ready for this move, but it's a great conference. There's a lot of really good teams in this conference. Uh, I think anybody can beat anybody. There's great coaches. And, uh, you know, every day uh, here in the offseason, you got to work your butt off to improve your program, put yourself in the best position for next year because that's what everybody else is doing too. You know, it's one thing when the players get cocky, you get in the top 25, but about halfway during the season, JMU was number one offensively in the Sun Belt and number one defensively in the Sun Belt. How did you keep the coaches from getting cocky? Well, that's a challenge. and it's not that they're cocky but you just things start to just slip very so subtly right uh you know and it's almost unnoticeable at first but then you know two weeks of that you know it it adds up and uh, that's a big part of the head coach's job let's face it is avoiding complacency uh, making sure everybody's got their edge day in day out it starts with your staff and how you manage your staff was it uh, the first week you mentioned Middle Tennessee State? Uh, they went on to, you know, hammer Miami. I don't know if that makes you even more proud uh, the way you uh, handled uh, Middle Tennessee State. But it was that when you found out you were really good? Because, like, Kane Womack was really upset. He lost games last year and wasn't nearly as upset as he was when they lost to UCLA. And it wasn't because of the, you know, botched fake field goal. It was some other mistakes. Uh, but what was the, was that the game when you realized we could probably hang in the Sun Belt? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, coaches tend not to think that way. I, I, you know, that was a dominant performance. It was a great start to our uh, FBS uh, tenure. Um, I knew we had a chance to be pretty good, but I also knew we had some tough games coming up. And that, you know, in, in this business, uh, it, it truly is a game of inches. Uh, the difference mm-hmm. between teams is very, very slight. And you're more focused on kind of what you got to do, uh, you know, the following day, your routine and getting ready for the next team. Um, it was it was a great win. Uh, we did have Norfolk coming up second. So, you know, it was a team that we were a lot better than. Um, but knew we, yeah, I knew we had a chance and, and you got to stay healthy. You know, you got to stay healthy. 
Uh, talk about uh, the facilities and, you know, for football and, you know, what kind of upgrades uh, are they are they looking at? Do they need what, what are you looking at here as, as JMU continues uh, in the FBS? Oh, we've always had great facilities here. You know, our facilities will match up with the best of the Sun Belt. Uh, we've got a beautiful stadium. It's a football town. We sell out every game, except uh, maybe when the students are gone for Thanksgiving. The, the crowd is loud. They're into it. We've got a huge fan base. Uh, we've got a beautiful football building. We put 800000 in our weight room last year. It, it, it's great. Uh, it's a beautiful campus. You know, all the sports here really have nice facilities. So now, you know, you, you always got to keep moving forward. There's things down the road. You know, you could see stadium expansion down the road in five, ten years. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about other things, but those are down the road. There, there's some small things that wouldn't be very impressive to the audience that, you know, that will add to the program, um, you know, immediately. But uh, we're where we need to be. Would they be uh, impressive to the potential student athletes? Oh, yeah. There ain't no doubt about that. Oh. <laughs> and that's where it all starts. You know, it used to be all recruiting and development. Now it's recruiting, development, and retention. <laughs> Well, let's talk about that. We're talking with Kurt Signetti, head coach of the uh, JMU Dukes, James Madison, uh, Eastern Division champs in uh, the Sun Belt. Uh, lots going on, so I do appreciate your time. You got the portal going on. You got uh, uh, early signing day is uh, in less than a couple of weeks. So not only are you trying to get guys in the portal, you're trying to stop guys from going in. Uh, what's What's it been like since the end of the football season for you? Well, you know, there's such a uh, good feeling around here about uh, just the program in general and how, how the season went. You know, we really haven't lost anybody in the portal. Um, but we have been jamming on the portal. Uh, you know, we have some positions that we've got to complete. Our wide receiving core, we've got to almost start from scratch. You know, we lost three of our top four and returned 24 catches in the entire core. So, and, and there's other positions. So, it has been a lot of portal work, portal tape evaluation and recruiting and um you know the thing about the portal is you gotta use it to your advantage i mean you just do i like it you know i like being busy i like watching tape i like watching tape during the season evaluating recruiting tape and you know we've had some good prospects come in and we got and more scheduled so we're gonna use it to our advantage talk to us about your quarterback position i i think todd centeo is done i i think he could have very well been up there with Grayson McCall for player of the year. You saw what it was like when he was playing and, and maybe even more indicative. You saw what it was like when he was not playing uh, on how your team played. Uh, talk, us, uh, talk to us about Todd, because obviously he had a fantastic year uh, for you. No question about it. He was player of the week in the Sunbelt conference four times. So, um, you know, and he was the offensive player of the year in the conference. Um, he had a tremendous, great competitor. And really came a long way. Came from Colorado State, kind of a simplistic offense under center. So uh, some of the some of the pocket stuff that we were doing was an adjustment. Took him a spring, maybe a week or two in fall camp. But a guy that could beat you with his arm and his legs was a tremendous leader. Our kids really gravitated to him. And when the chips were down in the most critical times, he played his best football. He he was a true warrior. He, you know, he also happens to be the third quarterback we've had here. And every single one of them have have been the offensive player of the year, and they yeah. all had their and they all had their skeptics going in. You know, Ben Denucci was the first one that we inherited, turned the ball over a lot the year before, and uh, you know, player of the year in the conference was with the Dallas Cowboys till about two months ago, and Cole Johnson was the second one, 
41 touchdown passes, four interceptions, 4,000 yards. And then Toddy, you know, and, and with all of them, we tweaked the offense a little bit to their strengths and the team's strengths. And, uh, you know, we've done a great job. Uh, you know, I think uh, the kids have done a great job of developing and uh, it's been a position of strength. Yeah, that sounds like a little bit of recruiting right there. All three guys we've had have been uh, offensive player of the year. I hear you, coach. I see what you're doing right there. Well jo- uh, well done. That's a that's a good job by you. Uh, we're talking with uh, Kurt Segnetti, head coach of the uh, JMU uh, Duke. So you mentioned you like the portal. Does that put more pressure on head coaches? You've been there a while, uh, but some guys are going to be looking at the, you know, John Summerall model and the K-Momic model, uh, you know, and the Josh Heupel model. Uh, where they turn it around fast. There is no four- to five-year building programs anymore. We'll see what Deion Sanders does out in Colorado. Uh, but they're going to be, you know, the administrators and the ADs are going to be like, well, if they can do it, why can't you? Does that put a lot more pressure on you, although you seem to thrive on that? Well, it's certainly changed the game. And let's face it, there's no four- or five-year building project anywhere in the country anymore. I mean, you got to win now the way it is. Um, but uh, – you got to use your time wisely in recruiting and recruiting time is money. You got to be really smart where you're spending your time. And uh, I mean, you've got to use the portal to your advantage because uh, it's here to stay. I mean, let's face it. This is NFL free agency. And right. Your that's roster, exactly it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're roster building every year. Uh, Cause you're going to lose seniors. Uh, not to mention if you lose a guy or two on your team, which fortunately we have not yet. Right. And then, but you got a chance to really change your roster through the portal and, and you got to take, you got to do your research. I mean, you got to research where they're from character, work habits, production, injuries, you know, how they fit into your program um, and take the right kind of guys. I mean, we took a couple power five guys last year in the winter and I didn't really like what I saw in spring ball and I didn't bring them back, you know, for the team chemistry part of it. Now, you can't do that now because the new rules are, you know, that those guys count against you. You're 85 until uh, they would have graduated. That's a new rule, too. So, uh, you know, you got to use the portal to your advantage. Otherwise, I mean, you got your head in the sand if you don't. So let's wrap it up here with Kurt Segnetti, James Madison Duke's head uh, football coach. Uh, for those who don't know, he was on uh, Nick Saban's staff, uh, ended up a part of that uh, big 2008 class, Julio Jones, down here in South Alabama. Uh, did you also uh, recruit a certain uh, quarterback to NC State? Uh, all those Alabama schools uh, wanted him to be a, a linebacker or tight end, but Philip Rivers ends up having, you know, this uh, Hall of fame career. Has he called you because he's now coaching? Has he gotten any tips from you on how to coach? <laughs> he don't need any tips from me. <laughs> we, we actually inherited him. I was uh, blessed to be able to coach him his senior year. He was, a, he was truly a great one. Um, and uh, how's he doing down there? Are they winning games? They are. They're, I think they just missed the playoffs again, but he's got a, it's a relatively new school, new program, uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere down there in, uh, in Baldwin County. But uh, he, he, he is a treat uh, to talk to on game days. And, you know, I don't think he swears on the sidelines. It's a lot of gosh, gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't ever remember him in swearing, but he was the ultimate competitor. I mean, that guy, was unbelievable. He, he and there, you know, he was such a competitor. I can remember him mixing it up with linebackers at practice. You know, right, guys right. that played in the NFL. I mean, but Philip was like a tight end. He was built like a tight end. He big, strong right. guy. Right. Right. 
Yeah, that's why Auburn and Alabama wanted him uh, in a different position. He went to NC State. Kurt Signetti, a JMU Dukes head coach, congratulations on all the success. I got to ask one more question, and I think the official term is cockamamie. Uh, what is up with that rule preventing you from playing in the Sunbelt Championship and going to a bowl game? Who made up that cockamamie rule when you move up from FCS? If you're as good as we are, you can't play with us. What? What is that? That's awful. It probably had some rationale 15, 20 years ago. It's probably archaic now. And I think the NCAA is just dealing with other things. Or they probably haven't readdressed it. So we had our bowl game against Coastal, 47-7. You sure did. Congratulations, Coach. Thanks for hopping on Locked on Sunbelt. Uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. All right, I'd like to thank head coach from the JMU Dukes, James Madison Dukes, Kurt Signetti for hopping on Locked On Sunbelt. I'd like to thank you very much for uh, tuning in. Sincerely appreciate it. We are growing uh, by leaps and bounds, as they say, as we finish up our first week on uh, YouTube. Of course, you can still find the podcast wherever you do find your podcast. We'll be back all next week and preview bowl games uh, galore as they are coming up uh, quickly. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Schultz. Have a spectacular weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you on Monday. You are watching and or listening Locked on Sunbelt, your team every day.